Hi, I'm Jennifer Hudson, Creative Director here at Alderman Company, and today you're watching A Student's Perspective. Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to A Student's Perspective, the weekly series that connects students with designers, manufacturers, educators, industry professionals, and design media celebrities to hear their stories on just how they've gotten to where they are now. Through our conversations, we connect the past, present, and future of design to show just how much we can learn from each other to grow towards our fullest potential without prescribed limitations. Think of a student's perspective as a weekly design lecture series from the student's point of view. A student's perspective is a division of the nonprofit University Hall of Innovation, whose goals are to connect students with the design industry through design challenges and mentorship and a collaboration with the Marywood University Interior Architecture Program in Scranton, Pennsylvania. All interviews can be found in their video format at www.astudentsperspective.tv. For more information or sponsorship inquiries, please contact University Hall of Innovation at gmail.com. Hi, uh, welcome back to another episode of A Student's Perspective. I'm Katie. And I'm Jen, and we're here with Jennifer Hudson at Alderman Company in High Point Market 2022. Uh, if you wanted to go ahead and begin this episode with a little bit of a background of yourself and introduce yourself to the viewers. Sure. Um, my name is Jennifer Hudson. I'm the creative director here in the studio at Alderman Company, and Alderman is a multimedia marketing agency with a really large in-house photography studio. That is what we do. Awesome. So if you wanted to dive a little bit into what your role is in this entire company, because I know there's a lot to tackle in Alderman in general, so just what you do? Sure. So we have the agency side of our company, and then we have, as I mentioned, the photography studio side of our company. So our photography studio works on both still photography and video projects. And um, I am the head of the interior design and soft goods styling departments here. I have a degree in interior design. And um, I head up those departments, I oversee the employees in those departments, and as designers, we're kind of one of the first steps in the process with clients as they're planning out their marketing campaigns, their photography that's going to support those campaigns, any content they're doing. We design the rooms, um, we choose which sets in our massive studio that we're going to use for them or if we're going to build them from scratch. Um, we all have degrees in interior design, so we can, you know, work through construction documents with our construction department. And I just oversee that process all the way from the conception of the project, the initial design stages, on through the execution and construction of it. And then as acting creative director here, I look at all the photography that's done before it makes it to our clients' hands. Awesome. Wow. So you mentioned you have a degree in interior design. Do mm -hmm. you want to explain where you graduated from? And I guess initially where you are from. I don't know if you grew up in North Carolina. Sure. Yeah, I did. I grew up in North Carolina in a really rural part of North Carolina. And I got my degree um, in interior design at a, well, it used to be small. It's not so small anymore. University um, in the mountains of North Carolina called Appalachian State University. Okay. And I uh, majored in interior design and I minored in art. Oh, very nice. nice. Could you maybe talk about how after college, like what was your first steps kind of getting into the new world and how you got to Alderman Company? 
Sure. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't know how many people you interview will say this, but this was my first job out of college. Oh, wow. Um, 22 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> so, amazing. yeah, I, um, I didn't think that's how that was going to work out. Um, I did my internship in a kitchen design firm with a kitchen design firm when I was in college. And I really, really loved that. And I really was uncertain of what direction I wanted to go. So it's really wonderful that you guys are doing what you're doing because I I was a little ill-prepared for knowing what all my options were as a freshly graduated interior design student. So um, we had gone on a tour of Alderman when I was in college, and I remember just thinking, that looks so cool and that looks so different than anything I've seen. And I honestly didn't have a complete understanding of what they did here, but the tour was super interesting. It just looked so fun. We'd had other graduates before me that had worked there. There were a couple of Appalachian alumni here. And so I talked to them and I talked to my professor and I applied here and, and um, got the job right off the bat. Um, mainly because at the time they were looking for someone who had kitchen design experience and that had kind of been my concentration in school. And I immediately started and didn't design one kitchen for like three years (laughs) (laughs) after I started here. Um, But yeah, it was just a really, really good fit from the beginning. And so I started out as like a junior designer and then I became more of a senior designer. And then I became a creative director before I became my department head. And so, um, you know, my role here has just evolved over time and changed and I keep being challenged by the job and by the new roles that I've been given. And so um, I just love it. And so I just keep doing it. Yeah. You might have been here like uh, for what feels like so long, but every every day is changing. So yeah. it's kind of like new new jobs every day. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's the it's the best part of the job. It's the thing that I say is the thing you have to be about if you're going to work in at Alderman or in this industry at all. Is the best part about the job is that it's different every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really exciting. And I mean, there's no reason to change where your location is, considering you obviously are liking what you're doing and thriving at it. So, I mean, considering it keeps evolving, I mean, I wouldn't really change where I'm at either. So, well, I remember when I started here and one of the designers, the one who was an an alumni from an alumnus from the college that I went Mm -hmm. to, she'd been here five years. And I remember thinking five years, how could you do the same (laughs) job for five years? You know, I just didn't see it, but then, you know, it all happened. Right. Yep. So now I am kind of curious, when you walked into this company, did you have a certain style that you kind of strive towards, or is there, you kind of dabble in all sorts of styles? I don't know if Alderman has something that it can be classified as, or it's always pushing those boundaries. It, we definitely do not fit within any specific style from a design standpoint. You know, a big part of what we do is we interpret our clients' vision for their brand um, because we are a commercial photography studio and our clients are companies like home improvement stores, retailers that sell furniture or home accessories or really large online retailers that you've heard of or um, sometimes we work directly with the manufacturers of these items. So we have furniture clients who are who is who we do the work for. Um, we have a client that is a, a local bank. 
Um, so whatever their vision for their brand is, we help them focus that vision sometimes on the creative, you know, front end of the projects. We help them, you know, figure out in our, in the agency part of what we do, what it is they want to say and what it is they want to tell people about their brands. Um, but if they have a, you know, a firm foundation in that already, we learn what their vision is for their brand, learn what their brand identity is, and then we, we execute that. So you have to be well-versed in every style of design to work here. And you have to just kind of divorce yourself from what your personal preferences <laughs> right, right. and your ideals are, which is not to say that you can't, your personal style can come through in what you do for the clients, of course, um, because everybody has a little something different that they bring to the table from a personal style standpoint and how they might pull together a room is going to be different than the other designer over right. here. Um, but the main thing is keeping it within the client's vision. Right. Yeah. So did you want to no, ask? Okay. So keeping all of that in mind when you are designing, do you, do you want to describe what it is like when you meet with that client mm -hmm. and you go to the drawing board? And then you mentioned before we started this interview that at the end of it, you kind of sign off on that photograph. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to describe just that whole process that you are involved in, that would be really nice to hear. Sure, sure. So I'll take an example of one of our clients who sells, um, we'll say flooring, for instance. That's one that's a little bit more simple. Typically, if a client comes to us and they sell flooring, so... We have clients, uh, the room we're sitting in is covered in one of our client's materials. For instance, this is, um, this is a luxury vinyl tile that we're sitting on. So if you're, if you're a client that sells that or you sell carpeting or you sell hardwood, we work for clients that sell all those. Um, let's say you're not the retailer. Let's say you're the manufacturer. So you're coming directly to us for your content that you're going to use on social media, but primarily it's going to be used at the retailers that sell your product because that's how people know okay. your brand typically is through the <clears throat> retailers. And so say you're the flooring manufacturer and you come to us and say, we have a new line of hardwood flooring and we need to create some content for that. And so we'll, you know, sit in some meetings, we'll get the information from them, you know, where is this going to be used? What media is it going to be used for? Is it going to be, everything's used for social media now. Absolutely everything. There's everything gets yeah. what, you know, a square crop, as we call mm -hmm. it, for social. You'll use it for online advertising on your website. You'll use it for online advertising for your retailer's website. You might use it, you know, in a magazine, or you might still have a product catalog, like a printed catalog that it needs to go to. And then if it's for a retail application, as unsexy as it sounds, when you start doing this business, you realize how much photography is in your everyday life. Right. There's a box on the shelf and the box has to have a photo of it, of what's in the box. That's packaging. That's the world of packaging. And so you might need um, an image for that too. And so a lot of times what our clients do is they try to create one photo shoot, um, one effort where they can use content from that photo shoot for all of that media, and which might mean setting the shot up and using a different aspect ratio or crop on the different images. Um, so the designer has to keep all that in mind from the get-go. You sit with the client, you get the information about the media, about the usages, about their brand, about the look and the feel that they want. Sometimes they come to us with their kind of like inspiration images. They'll have a Pinterest page. They'll have something like that that they're looking at. 
sometimes they say, we don't know what we want. We want you guys to come back to us with your vision. Usually they have a pretty good idea of their brand though. And they'll say, you know, I've got 10 new flooring SKUs that I need to get out on the market. So let's design 10 rooms for those. And so then my team sets to work. Um, we'll create a presentation for the client. We'll go through normally for a client, like our example is a flooring client. We will um, use existing sets in our studio for that. So when you walk around the studio upstairs, there's about 45 bays or sets that we have at any given time. We have a good collection of rooms that they could be a living room, they could be a dining room, they could be a bedroom. You can't really tell when you look at them. Uh, we also have kitchens, bathrooms, rooms that's more obvious what their function is. And so our designers will select the sets that they want to use um, and they'll pull images of those sets together, present them back to the client along with our thoughts on what their photography should look like. So a lot of times we put together what we call just a like a style deck we'll talk about, you know, we're going to use this set, we're going to shoot it from this camera angle, we're going to accessorize it with all of these furnishings, which we have here in our warehouse upstairs. We're going to have window treatments. The walls are going to be painted this color. We'll prop it in this style, and then maybe we'll pull a shot from Pinterest ourselves and say, this is kind of the overall look we're going for. And then we'll get, you know, client feedback or sign off on it. And then from there, we turn over construction documents, if that's a necessity. We paint a lot of these sets that we're going to use specific to what the clients need. Although right now there's a whole lot of white sets upstairs because <laughs> white is just really big right now. Right. Um, and then once the carpenters and the painters clear out of the sets, our designers will work with our team in the studio. They will communicate to our warehouse, hey, this flooring is coming in. Our account, They work with our account management team and the account managers do all this behind the scenes stuff to where when that flooring comes in, our warehouse knows it's coming. They know exactly what it is. The designer says, bring that floor and install it in this set. The carpentry team does that. It's painted now. The floor is in. Now the designer turns to the warehouse and says, here's my creative deck that I presented to the client. I need all these things for my shot. The warehouse team brings all that stuff out to the studio. And then the designer sets the room up according to his or her vision and then works with the photography team to line up on it with the camera, establish the camera angle. The photography team works through the lighting of the room, which is huge because our studio, it's dark. It's totally dark. There's no daylight there. They create that all from scratch. Wow. And then they work together on the composition of the room and the lighting of the room. And then they call me and I come out and I look at the shot and I say, yep, this is what we told the client we were going to do. They were really on board with those inspiration shots you pulled. I think this is, you know, really looking great. Or maybe we should think about adding a little bit more lifestyle to it. Maybe we add a pair of shoes kicked off on the floor or remember they want to make sure that they don't have any patterned artwork that interferes with looking at their floor, you know, things like that. And then I sign off on it and the image goes to our client. If they're not already here, sometimes they right. come to visit us in person. And uh, so we'll email it to them, get their thoughts on it, and go from there. Wow, I don't think I really understood how many steps go into like the one photo that we get to yeah. see. Yeah, but uh, that's it's amazing. a lot, and that's not building a set, you know, because that's, yeah. that's a whole nother part of the process. For a lot of our clients, we start off with nothing mm -hmm. and we design, you know, $75,000 kitchens for them if they happen wow. to sell kitchen appliances, for yeah. example. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so exciting to think about just physically standing there and rearranging the set. So do you yourself or now that you're creative de- director as mm-hmm. your label, do you still get to go and experience that and go physically rearrange and design the set yourself? Or is it now you kind of oversee what happens? Um, that is a great question. 90% of the time I oversee it and every once in a while I just can't stand it anymore and I have to yeah. get in a set and I have to touch things cause I, mi- I miss it. You can mm-hmm. imagine, um, as a designer, you want to touch things Absolutely. and our clients, they all really want to touch things too. Cause that's the fun part of the yep. job. You know, it really, really is, you know, rearranging things and styling the set with a vision in mind and um, going in our prop room. We have a prop room with literally millions of props in it. It's it's massive. It's just so much. It's just like you're a kid in a candy store when you're right. in there. So yeah, every once in a while, Alderman does a lot of, for internal marketing, we do lots of work with trends and I will insert myself into the trend shooting sometimes. And that's I will, okay. yeah, because we'll, we'll identify a trend that we see as something that's coming up. And then we'll do like maybe five or six rooms, like it, say it's a color trend. We'll do like five or six rooms that focus on that color trend used in different applications. So, you know, the bedroom, it might, the color trend might be in the bedding, in a kitchen, it might be in the dinnerware or something like that. And we'll all take turns at executing how we think like AG and blue, for instance, is is trending. And so a lot of times I'll grab one of those rooms for myself and work on it. As you should. (laughs) Yeah. Very nice. So when you are doing these props that you're mentioning, is it like these brands that you collaborate with? It has to be those certain props or have you been met with maybe you're working with Home Depot, but Mm -hmm. they have a competitor and they're like, do not put this brand in there. Have you met a challenge like that? Yes. You have to be very careful and, and prop and specify specific to every client that we're working with in general. Um, you know, you used a, a home, you know, a, a home improvement retailer as an example. You only work for one home improvement mm-hmm. retailer. You know, you don't, you would, you would not even fathom working for another big box retailer giant, you know, that would compete with them. But lots, we work with lots of flooring companies, for example. So one part of my job is to kind of keep track, what are we doing for our different flooring clients? Like some of them don't compete at all with each other. Some of them only make carpet. So they don't care about these hardwood mm-hmm. um, manufacturers over here. But if if we work with more than one client who sells the same thing, or for a manufacturer, it might not matter what we use from our prop room. But for a retailer, it very much matters what we use from our prop room. You know, if they, if, if a if a retailer sells furniture, but they also sell rugs and they also sell lighting, you need to use their rugs and their lighting in those shots. But if all you sell is flooring, then we're responsible for building out the rest of that room. And it doesn't really matter, you know, where it comes from, unless you have to really get specific too, because Floorings may be sold through one retailer that competes with another retailer. So you wouldn't want to use this retailer's lighting in this mm-hmm. flooring shot. It's it's a little bit of a house of cards that you have yeah. to keep track of with all that. But yeah, we, we want to make sure that all of our clients feel like their photography is uber specific to their brand and customized for exactly what they need and what mm-hmm. they're, they're wanting and that it doesn't look like somebody else's, of course. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of challenges, how did Alder Company cha- Alderman Company change during like the pandemic, and what challenges did it face? Um, 
I've been through two big challenges at Alderman, I would say. I was here in 2008 when we had the recession and I was here for the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And they both were dramatic and different. Um, In 2008, fortunately, our business was not affected very much by the downturn in real estate and the financial market. It just, it, we kind of just kept on trucking. We had clients that were not really affected by any of those things and they just kept on selling what they were selling and we kept supporting them with content um, and everything, you know, went along really well. I think a big part of that is leadership at Alderman kind of saw the writing on the wall prior to that. And whereas a lot of studios have a lot of clients in the furniture industry, especially manufacturers of furniture, they were hit very hard in 2008. But we had already kind of diversified and had clients from other segments, you know, of the business as clients. And so while some of our clients were hit hard, others weren't. So everything kind of just kept going along now. The pandemic has been a different story. Um, All of our clients have been affected differently by the pandemic. And a lot of it, no matter how they were affected, it has impacted their marketing strategies. And it hasn't been easy for anyone in marketing, for sure, Mm -hmm. because um, we have clients with multiple issues. Either they're really doing great because of the pandemic and they just don't need to advertise that much. They're saving those advertising dollars for a rainy day. Or we have clients who have supply chain issues. And even though they're doing well from a financial standpoint, they don't really want to advertise that much because they're having a hard time fulfilling the orders that they have. I mean, everybody's heard about these problems. Or we have clients who are struggling because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. and the marketing dollars just aren't there yet. And so we've really had to get creative during the pandemic um, to make sure that we're we're reaching out to as many clients as we can to offer them whatever assistance we can give them in these crazy times. And then I would say that one of the most direct challenges, other than the, the economic challenges of the pandemic, Everyone's working from home now. I don't know if you've heard about this. (laughs) We don't work from home. It does not work that way. You cannot take a photograph from home. So your bedroom. Oh yeah, it doesn't (laughs) work that way. So we've been open the entire time. We've had staff here the entire time. Um, We've we did at the beginning of the pandemic send some people who work in like an account services and a client facing role. We sent them home to work from home just so we could have less people in our building and Mm -hmm. we felt safer doing that. And that worked out well. But our clients have continued to work from home and it is definitely challenging having I mean, you know, you'll go on a Zoom call and you'll have eight people on the call and they're all in different living rooms or dining rooms or offices. And it makes pulling together the details of a project much, much more difficult. And so so and it's fine because what what's ended up happening is projects. The timelines are just kind of expanding for them. You know, what used to take two weeks to get the planning part done now takes longer than that. Um, We can still execute projects in the same amount of time and we still kind of execute them about the same as we always have. But that's been that's been a big a big challenge. And, you know, working from home, 
your hours really differ and you know so you're hearing back from people at 9 p.m about things and you're you know you're trying to pull together project details and it's just yeah it's just a challenge but it's working out um that's good so far so good (laughs) yeah Yeah, so far so good yeah i think we're all just kind of figuring it out so yeah. We are really um, looking forward to when models and actors in photography don't have to wear masks. I'm really, really right. looking forward to that day yeah. because mm-hmm. for a while there, anytime you showed a person in a photograph, if they were in a public environment at all, they had to be masked. But then, just in case, let's do it without the mask because this is all going to be over one day and we know it. And so we need yeah. that too. And so it's a little... Yeah, right. that's a little challenging. Yeah, it's a little tricky, too. You don't want to offend anybody, or especially with the retailers that you're working yeah. with. Oh, yeah. And in, in our industry in general, um, you know, we're studio photography, the greater production industry in a whole, like when you talk about, like, TV production, TV commercial production, movie production, all of that, it was greatly, greatly affected by the pandemic. And there's a lot of protocol involved in being on those shoots. You know, photo shoots are a lot of people in potentially close proximity to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not a very COVID friendly environment. And so you really have to put a lot of safety measures into practice and, and really be careful about, you know, making sure that everybody on set is safe. Right. Yeah. So now that we've been talking about marketing, I'm kind of curious how marketing works for you guys. How do you get your name out there to be like, hey, choose us to do your marketing with you or get that nice photo set up? Mm -hmm. How does that work for you guys? Do you just pick like, oh, I really liked that photo that we staged or do Mm -hmm. you create something entirely different? A lot of times lately, especially post pandemic, we have pivoted towards creating our own marketing content because we find that it's it's you know i we want our clients to completely understand that their photography is going to be unique to them and less and less we find it effective at showing one client's work to another client to say look what we can do for you because really it's look what we did for someone else mm-hmm. now some clients really love that they love to see they it kind of falls into one of two categories they either want to see that you know their product category inside and out like if they sell lighting fixtures they want to see your lighting portfolio you know they want to see every beautiful image of a chandelier or a sconce that you've taken and so you pull all those out but then sometimes they're like we don't want to look get what you did for anybody else show us what you can do if you didn't have a client mm-hmm. okay. um and you you do tend to no offense to any of our clients of course because they all have their own brand right. that they're trying to support with their content but when there's not a brand to support and there's not that agenda to support you can really do whatever you want to and so lately we've really been pushing our teams to just create whatever you want to. And I'll sometimes the sky's the limit sounds like a great assignment from your supervisor. Uh, different people on our staff respond to that in different ways. Some okay. of them want parameters, mm-hmm. you know, and so sometimes we do a, the sky's the limit kind of approach mm-hmm. to internal marketing, photography and video. And then sometimes we set parameters and kind of give out assignments. And I mentioned trends earlier. We've used our internal trend 
um, content a ton in marketing to our clients and to potential clients. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm also wondering now, sorry to keep jumping ships on topic, (laughs) but um, when it comes to photography, do you have any tips for anybody just in general keeping in mind? Because you mentioned you don't want that patterned photo to compete with the flooring or Uh so on and so forth. Do you keep certain things in mind when staging or is it when it comes down to the photograph itself, you just need that right angle? What comes into play when it? There's only a few hard, fast rules in photography. And, in and you know, sometimes some of, like, I, we tend to think of our photography as being room setups, um, and it usually is, but sometimes the stuff we do is kind of abstracted. It's not even in a room environment. It's in some random modern-looking space, you know. But, I mean, just for the sake of, of this conversation, if you have a room, there's only a few rules for me. Um for the for the designer who's working on the room, um, one of the tricks that we found, and I, I think this applies to design in general, whether it's being photographed or not. Um, and this sounds so simple and silly, but it really does have an impact. Make sure that absolutely everything in the shot doesn't have legs um, or have tall legs. Um, you need something. And these are the tips. These are the things that I give my designers in the beginning when they're training. Mm -hmm. These are little things that when you look at a room and it should work and it should be reading well, you know, it should be fantastic because all this stuff looks really good together. Why is it not? Why is it not wonderful? You know, I Mm -hmm. thought it was going to be wonderful. These are these kinds of things that I tell them. Well, look for this. Look for something needs to touch the floor, you know, and something kind of solid needs to touch the floor. It just really helps. Uh, we say a shot gets leggy. If everything, if your sofa and your ottoman and your chair and your cocktail table and your bookshelf are all up on legs, that's something that is usually something you can't put your finger on, but it's not right. Um, a thing that is specific to the world of photography um, is the phenomenon called a tangent when two things line up the way that you do not want them to, you don't want a tangent in photography, which are if two things line up perfectly one behind the other, or they just kiss each other, mm-hmm. you know, you want them to completely overlap or completely be separate from each other. That's the kind of thing that you intuitively know that, but you don't really know that there's a name for right. it, you know? So you have to watch out for tangents. And the I always say, that every room, you know, there's a lot of design mottos and credos and rules out there. And I think in general, a lot of them don't apply. But sometimes a room, almost every room needs something very dark or black in it. That rooms can be overall look a little pastel and sweet if there's not something in them that grounds them. Whether it's a black frame on artwork you know, a, a black lamp. It, it just needs to be something because they can look a little ungrounded if that's not there. And then for photography, the hard fast rule is if your camera is here and that's what you're shooting, your lighting is here. Okay. You so come at it from opposite angles. So mm-hmm. if you are shooting from the left, you light from the right. If you are shooting from the right, you let you light from the left and that gives what you're shooting now photography and lighting in general is a lot more complicated than that but that's the main rule (laughs) is is shoot from the right 
light from the left okay. you know, and vice versa. That gives the item that you're photographing the beautiful shape, highlights, and shadows that you want because all of our clients, no matter what they sell, whether it's the light fixture, the carpet, the bed, whatever it is, they want it to be lit beautifully. They want it to have highlights and shape and shadow. Um, and lighting is a whole nother nuanced part of what we do. But yeah, that's the biggie. That's wow. the biggie. Very nice. I'm kind of interested in what it is to do with lighting now. So it's yeah. definitely a whole different ballpark there. But yeah, because I guess when you're photographing for lighting, do you still capture that whole space? Or okay, so what happens now? A lot of times you do. Yeah, light? if you're shooting lighting, if lighting is your topic, mm-hmm. it's kind of a whole nother thing. There's two two categories that we photograph that are very different than anything else. One is lighting, and one is windows or window treatments. Um, because how you treat windows in a room when you're shooting that room for anything else mm-hmm. is totally different than how you treat windows if you are shooting for the windows or for the draperies or the blinds or whatever. Because the people selling the blinds want to be able to see the blinds and they want to be able to see the detail in the blinds. But when you're shooting a beautiful room for the flooring or for the furniture, or the bedding, the soft goods, anything you really want the windows to just enhance the space to not draw attention to themselves you want beautiful beautiful light coming through them and a lot of times when that beautiful light floods through a window the window almost just kind of disappears you know it gets really bright what we call blown out and that's a really beautiful look in photography but if you're selling the blinds you're not happy about it (laughs) and the same thing for lighting fixtures if if they're just in a room, if they're just part of an overall room scene of a living room, you know, a beautiful table lamp or a chandelier, you do treat it differently than if you're shooting it. And a lot of times with the marvels of modern photography and Photoshop, what we end up doing for light fixtures is what we call merging. And we take multiple images of the same room with a lockdown camera position, some lighter and some darker. Um, Because when the body of the light fixture looks right from a lighting perspective the globe or the shade or whatever it is is too bright Mm -hmm. you've experienced this when you're shooting things with your phone all the time Mm -hmm. and so we take a picture where the exposure is perfect for the body of the chandelier and one that's perfect for the globes of the chandelier and then we put them together and everybody's happy it's (laughs) so much easier with digital Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah it's awesome so do you have like a man for that job? Like oh yeah, we have multiple person? we have multiple men and women for that awesome. job. Yeah, we have a we have an entire department. We actually our digital department. That's what we refer to them. It's kind of divided into two parts. We have the digital technicians that work, and and digital analysts that work on this floor of our building, the first floor. They do the um, really specialized work and extra work. Like some of our clients, they don't even send us to use the flooring client as an example, they might only send us one box of floor and we don't even install the floor in the room. We shoot the room, keeping that floor in mind and our digital department, we take a head on straight into a section of the floor photograph, give it to them and they digitally insert it into our final room scene. Mm -hmm. So we have a department, um, a team of people who handle kind of more complicated, you know, purely the work that they're doing is Photoshop heavy work for the client. Then we have a quality control department upstairs with the studio. And so our folks in QC are an integral part of every single photo that we take. It travels 
um, from the photographer out in the studio through QC. QC pulls it up, looks at it. They do all of those quick things that you want to do in a photo. Like if there's a nail in the wall, they'll they'll take that away. Um, if there's a scuff on the client's furniture, or sometimes it's that the client's furniture isn't actually the finish that it's meant to be sold in. It's slightly darker or lighter than what it's supposed to be. They'll address things like that. And then they do overall things like cleaning up the shot, um, color correction, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we have a whole, we have two different teams of people that that's all they do. That's wonderful. That's all they do. Like we were talking about earlier, it's really neat that you have everything in-house and all these teams to be able to work on. And it's crazy because it's just this one shot. And it's just all of these oh, people yeah. are all collaborating just to make yeah. it that perfect thing that you produce. Yeah. And you've had years of experience now being at this company and, of mm -hmm. course, played a lot of different roles. So I also kind of want to know what is or has been your favorite part if you could choose one, um, whether it was when you were staging or now when you mm -hmm. get to go pick those nitpicky details, like, okay, well, that needs to change. Have you come across something that like that excites me the most? Yeah, there's a few things I would say. I really love to travel. And so anything that involves travel is kind of lumped into the category of that's my favorite part. Right. Um, sometimes travel is getting to do something that's just mind blowing, like I've gotten to go to Paris twice to go to the Maison wow. show in Paris. Wow. That's not, doesn't have anything to do with a client. That's just aldermen wanting to keep on top of trends and mm -hmm. to see what's coming up. So it's like going to furniture market, but it's in Paris. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so stuff like that's amazing. We travel for shoots a lot that obviously you would guess has slowed down with COVID just because travel in general is, mm -hmm. is less because of, of the pandemic. But um, we've always traveled for shoots. I just got back from Charleston, South Carolina, and that was a great shoot for a company that makes spray paint. Um you never know what you're yeah. going to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we did this project of these DIY kind of social media focused projects that you could do with this spray paint. And we went to Charleston because it's warm and it's pretty there. And we wanted to do most of the photography outdoors. And so that is a, anytime you get to travel is an awesome part of the shoot. And then I'm a little bit more, of a technical designer. And I mentioned that my very beginnings in this industry kind of focused around kitchen design. Mm -hmm. I still love kitchen design and bathroom design. And we work with clients that sell kitchen appliances, kitchen cabinetry, um, retailers who sell bath fixtures and tile and things like that. And I really do love putting those puzzles together, um, for kitchens and bathroom designs. It's still, it's still one of my favorite mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's so nice the way like you started, you, it still like, um, captivates you and like, you still mm -hmm. want to go into that. Thing, yeah. So. Yeah. It is really, I just love kitchens. Yeah. yeah. So when you, so there's each of these staged rooms or maybe it's a tiny mm -hmm. little product that you're trying to display or whatever mm -hmm. that may be. When you have these designers and this team kind of going in and staging, is it, okay, so you get to do the kitchen and you get to do the bedroom, or is it everybody kind of collaborates, or is it... Just well, that's kind of part of one of my responsibilities is assigning the work okay. to my team. 
Um, and I try to, you, you have a lot of things that go into play with that. You, we always have an instance where if a client works with a designer and they kind of build a relationship with that designer and they really like working with them, you know, they're going to request to work with Mm -hmm. them again. And, you know, that's goes both ways, you know, and so the designer likes working with that client too. And so when those projects come along again, I know, oh, well, this is going to be one I'm going to hand off to this designer. Um, Sometimes there's no existing relationship there, or it's one of our clients that we do a ton of work for, and they have relationships with my entire team. You know, at some point or another, everyone's worked on work for them. And so then it's kind of my pick. And it's a, it's a careful dance between um, picking a designer who already has expertise in that product category um, because we have people who've worked here. I have people on my team who've worked here longer than I have, and I've been here 22 years. So, yeah, longevity is kind of a thing yeah. at Alderman. Yeah, it, it definitely is. But then I have people who've worked here for four years, too. Um, we didn't hire anybody during the pandemic, so about four years is about as new. Three or four years is about as new as okay. it gets now. So you have to kind of balance out for for the immediate project, you want to assign a designer who's well-versed in that product category. But for Alderman's longevity and for Alderman's benefit, I also need one of these designers who's only been here for three years to get experience in that product category. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times in the beginning of their employment, they're teamed up with that more senior designer so they can learn the ropes of say kitchen design, which is probably one of the more complicated things that we do. and then eventually they're doing their own kitchen design. And so you're always kind of, and you want, you want the clients to be happy and you want your staff to be happy. Absolutely. And so you don't want to, every time this project comes up, that's like a long, complicated project, you don't always want, you know, to have the same person work on that because they mm-hmm. just finished that. But sometimes they're just so good at it (laughs) they get that same project over and over again because you just can't imagine it could be done any better than they're doing it right and i mean that's undeniable some people just have natural talent with those certain things yep yep so are you allowed to be like you see it come across your desk and you're like, this is something I would love to do. Are you allowed to just say, I I call it? (laughs) Uh, I I mean, it would be, I try to not, I always joke with the photographers. If I walk out on set and I'm their designer, Mm -hmm. I'm like, sorry, you drew the short straw today. (laughs) Because if they work with me, they know that while I I bring experience to the Mm -hmm. table, um, I'm going to get interrupted by about, 47 phone calls during the course of us setting this shot up and so I I try to limit the amount that I do that because I'm not very good to have on set as a photographer because I have a lot of other things going on whereas if I assign one of my team members to it they can really they might work on two projects at the same time and they might have to step away from one to attend to the other but we try to keep people on one project at a time and that can really be their focus and so while you might have five sets going for any Mm -hmm. specific project they're all for that project and you can just keep you know, your thought process headed in that one direction and it's, it's just much more efficient. Mm-hmm. When I step in, I tend to muddy things up a little bit with my <laughs> schedule because I'm like, I have to go to this studio and look at this shot and I have to go over here. But I do like to assign myself going on location mm-hmm. because um, that all kind of goes away a little bit if I'm out of the building. Yeah. And so, yeah, 
I will definitely snatch up some location shoots for that's myself. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. that's pretty responsible. You know, like if I go on the set, it's going to be a little bit too hasty. I have a yeah. phone call here and there. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's good for you to be able to actually have that self-control. Because I don't even yeah. know if I could, you know, go to that <laughs> role in the company and not be able to snatch a design that I'm like, I live for that type of yeah. design. So. And it's also why it works for me to work on internal marketing stuff mm-hmm. for Alderman more because we create the deadline for that. The last thing I want to do with my busy schedule is put a client's deadline in jeopardy because Mm -hmm. I can't focus on their job because of my other responsibilities, you know, so yeah. Right. It's in the job description. (laughs) Very Mm -hmm. nice. Okay. So, um, we will ask our final question and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like our famous question. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you could go back and give your student self advice with knowing everything you know now, what would it be? This is not very deep. That's okay. It's very shallow, but I would tell myself, learn about molding, for goodness (laughs) sakes, when you're in college. No one learns about moldings. I don't know why. I don't think it's not a thing. It is not a thing. And I, and of course you can't, you know, you can't set up your class curriculum around what you would do. 20 years later, when you look back on your college career, it is like the number one thing that I feel like in the design world is a big old surprise when you get Mm -hmm. out of school. Um, You see it, you know it exists. It's pretty. It enhances every room and every surface it touches. It's an enigma when you get out of college um, and you have to learn about it. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, my father was a carpenter. And so he taught me about it. Once I finally came up to him and was like, "Hey, Dad, what's the deal with molding? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need how to do know you this. how how do you how do you create these looks that I see? And now, especially, it's easier because Pinterest is a resource and YouTube is a resource, and you can learn about how to create all kinds of things with it. But it is just one thing I've learned that. Every designer I've trained who's come here, they come out of school knowing nothing about molding. So I would say, ask your professor about molding. We will be doing that. Gotta know. And that's such a literal piece of advice that we it can is. tangibly go through. It is. not. This is not. This, it's very shallow. It's not very deep. No. The other thing I would say that is a little bit deeper is um, think about when you're in school. Um, It is really, it's an interview question that you ask when you're interviewing for a job, and it's a good question for a reason, which is looking at that person who's across the table from you and saying, if what is a typical day for the person who works in this role? And and really pay attention to that answer, Mm -hmm. because I think you can't, you can't overvalue that. It's very, it's very important are you going to be inside all day? Are you going to be inside and outside? How many people are you going to come into contact with? Are you going to be at a desk all day? Are you going to be drawing all day? Are you going to be, you know, going to meetings with clients? What is your comfort level with being one-on-one with clients? Are you never going to see a client and only get feedback from them? It's just, those are the things that in my experience at the end of the day, make you love your job. And So I can't, I don't think you can put too much emphasis on it when you're at the beginning of the process, Mm -hmm. when you're just out of school and you're at that job. It's, am I a people person? Am I a desk person? Am I an outside person? 
am I an introvert person? Right. All that day-to-day yeah. stuff. And that's good timing to give us that advice because yeah. we're about to exit college and we're about to enter the job world. So it's Start nice interviewing. to know that. Yeah. 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 That was great. Well, thank you so much for joining us and having yeah. this conversation with us. It's been really awesome and insightful. So I'm happy to hear everything that you do. Yeah. Well, thanks, ladies. It was really fun. Of course, definitely. And then thank you everybody else for tuning in to another episode of A Student's Perspective and be sure to join us next week as the conversation continues. We hope you liked this discussion with the design industry from a student's perspective. Please like, share, and comment and stay tuned for more inspiring conversations to come.